Hello everyone, welcome along to the October edition of Baptist Voice. Uh, a word of warning, which I hope you'll understand, because of a change in the rules, we can only use our studio for copying CDs and dubbing tapes and not allowed to meet in there to make recordings. So some of the recordings may include a number of what we call handling noise because they've been recorded on handheld devices. Not exactly Radio 3 quality, but we hope we can have that sorted for the November edition. That notwithstanding, we can still bring you all our usual features, and we start with a good old rousing hymn, Amazing Grace. It's number 550 in Baptist Praise and Worship. crowd are here and we'll introduce them to you as we go along but first as always we catch up with the news from the baptist union here's andrea the bu assembly was held last month september and as always it's a challenge to do justice to the event in the short time we have at our disposal lynn green opened the event by speaking about the loaves and the fishes from matthew's gospel then she said we're praying for growth from new disciples coming to faith All this took place online, of course, with registered delegates being able to vote through Crowdcast. The first resolution was to affirm the appointment of Alistair Mitchell Baker as moderator of the Baptist Union of Great Britain, and the second to affirm the appointment of John Levick as treasurer of the union. The treasurer's report highlighted the fact, although expenditure has been reduced overall income, was now down by 5% and was reducing year on year, which cast doubt on our ability to fund specialist teams and projects in the years to come. Lynn likened us to a sailing ship with the sails unfurled, not because we had any particular destination in mind, but so that we can catch the wind and be ready to go wherever God sends us. She highlighted five current priority areas. We want to embrace adventure in mission and discipleship, 
The key to that is by developing leadership. The third focus area is to prioritise work with children and young families, and allied to that to develop our mission to young adults. The fifth and final priority is to embrace the digital revolution, and Lynn then drew our attention to Missional Adventure, a new online portal that's enabling us to share mission stories, ideas and resources. As I said, this is just a summary of a summary that is on the Baptist Times website. I would urge you, if at all possible, to go to the hour-long YouTube report, Baptist Assembly Online 2020, including the closing prayers led by President Yinka Oyekan. Mission Assist, Bible Society and Wycliffe Bible Translators are appealing for volunteers to digitise scripture translations so that they can be made freely available on major platforms like Uversion. The work involves copying translations which only exist in printed form because they were made before the digital aid or because older digital copies have been lost. Many of these translations are in minority languages whose speakers don't have access to the wealth of resources in the language that English speakers do. Digitising texts also means earlier translations can be revised and unfinished projects completed and braille versions can be produced for blind people. Led by Mission Assist, the Bible Digitisation Project involves training volunteers in the keyboard skills they need to translate Bible texts in a language they don't know. In the technique developed by Mission Assist, two volunteers work independently on the same text and their results are collated and checked against the original printed text and corrected as needed by another volunteer to ensure the highest possible level of accuracy. The assistants are as diverse as the texts themselves. For instance, Gwen Hughes-Jones from Kings Norton Baptist Church in Birmingham is a librarian by training and began working with Mission Assist four years ago as a proofreader. She's now editing John's Gospel in Swampy Cree, spoken by the Cree Nation in Canada. A new scheme to support the development and well-being of all Baptist ministry is launching this autumn. Continuing Ministerial Development, or CMD, is a new framework developed by the Ministry's team, which aims to enable all Ministers to reflect on their experience and future vision and ensure they are continuing to grow and develop in their knowledge and skills. An outline of the scheme can be found in the insert included with the latest Baptist Together magazine. The publication of the CMD Handbook in October will be accompanied by a number of lunchtime webinars to help ministers explore the details of the framework. The first of these will be on Monday the 12th of October at 1pm. Over the following 12 months, ministers will be encouraged to put in place any missing pieces from their practice of the five CMD habits. The first review of their CMD will take place in November 2021. I would recommend to you that you watch or listen to that recording of the highlights from the Assembly on YouTube. It explains far more than we can do in a couple of minutes. Just type in BU Assembly 2020. Next on the scene is Lucy with her youth news and she starts with new developments from Youth for Christ. Youth for Christ are still in operation despite all the current difficulties. Many of the new resources they've developed to reach young people with the good news digitally are already up online. 
They are designed to support churches and youth leaders who are unable to connect with young people face to face. Most of the wide ranging resources are now available to help you connect with our mission and have been developed by YFC specialists working from home. Working our way down from the top of the list, we find a good news magazine, there's a fierce blog, a link to their YouTube channel, intro and outro, look for the Go Colour Colouring book where you can create a unique coloured Lord's Prayer for your bedroom wall. There's a prayer diary and a thought for the day online. Look out for SYNC on YouTube, regular videos compiled with you in mind. From the growth in the online services to Zoom afternoon teas, there have been many uplifting examples of how churches have embraced digital platforms to stay connected during lockdown. But new research from All Churches Trust highlights that, for many churches the coronavirus pandemic has made them feel even more cut off from children and young people in their communities. Nearly a quarter of churches reported a decrease in engagement with children and young people, not unexpected when 30% of respondents indicated they were not able to run any activities specifically for the younger generation during lockdown. Only 10% of churches reported an increase in engagement. Some 638 churches who completed an electronic survey from All Churches Trust in June 2020 were asked about their level of engagement with children and young people since the start of COVID-19 outbreak. This survey revealed that more than half of churches, 55%, have been able to engage their children and young people through regular online worship, while 46% have run family-focused online activities for children and parents, and 31% have specifically run online activities and challenges for young people. Similar numbers have reached out by phone and email. Dr Lucy Shuker, Director of Research at Youthscape, said, What's heartening are the many examples of churches that have quickly adapted to launch online activities and alternative means of providing support when physical youth work was not an option. Being creative in meeting the needs of the families and young people they work with and reaching others they may not previously have been able to engage. In common with many churches, High Blantyre Baptist Church in Scotland has found it possible to hold services with people of all ages involved. They say that as a small church, they can socially distance any number up to 27 and take all the necessary precautions. The most hesitant to return have been families with children with specific medical conditions. These have all returned to school but are not prepared to take any additional risk at church or Sunday school. Our Sunday school kids say they have really enjoyed being back with appropriate hygiene measures and our scripture union group is working well on Zoom. All in all, they say it has been a very happy and positive and stress-free experience. After each service, a team of four stay on to clean and wipe down all services before leaving the building secure. Thanks, Lucy. And we move on to regional news with Lindsay and she starts her review in Leeds. As the Minister of Trinity Church in Rawdon, Leeds, Helen Lambert normally conducts around four to five funerals a year. 2020 has proved to be very different. At the start of lockdown, Helen sensed a clear call to offer to lead a short service for the sadly growing number of people dying at that time. It came about when she led a funeral for a man who had unexpectedly died in her community. Family members from a different part of the country have taken a wrong turn and missed the service, leaving just the widow, her niece and Helen. 
This was in Harrogate Crematorium, where in contrast to Helen's nearest crematorium in Leeds, mourners were allowed. There were just three of us in this large crematorium, and God really spoke to me then and said nobody should leave without someone saying a name, a prayer and a blessing. Helen duly contacted different undertakers in Leeds, offering to do a short service, as well as sharing a notice on a local Facebook group. At the time, the coffins for any deaths related to COVID-19 were simply brought into the crematorium with neither service nor mourners. Provided she was a safe distance from the coffin, Helen could conduct a short service. The response was instant. Undertakers were ringing me throughout April, said Helen. They said I was the only person prepared to do that. She led short services most days throughout the month. She offered to do this for free of charge and as a gift of love to the community, she strongly did. She sent God's call. The service would feature a time for prayer, scripture and a committal. The services were filmed and sent to each family. Only afterwards did Helen realise how much it taken out of her. It has a heavy thing to carry. You hold people's grief grief that's just overwhelming. Beforehand, I pray that each service would honour that person. I'd go and sit in my car and cry afterwards. When the regulations began to change in May, Helen's services were no longer required. She received the biggest bouquet of flowers I've ever seen, huge lilies, roses, hydrangeas from the undertakers. She believed that responding to God's clear call has deepened her faith. It was just awful to see so much pain. But even when it was hard, I knew that that's what God wanted me to do. At that time, I wasn't thinking about how much that would take out of me. I was so blessed to be able to do that for his beloved. We are his hands and feet. God asked me to do some crazy things. I'm always prepared to be a fool for Jesus. If just one person has had a glimpse of God's love for them through this service, it was all worthwhile. I was involved in a Zoom conversation with about 15 young people of colour aged 12 to 19, says Amy Bury. Every single person had experienced racism. People are wanting to speak. They want their truth to be heard and they want guidance on how to respond. Amy is the founder of the Hebe Foundation, a Baptist-led youth organisation that helps young people discover and use their talents. Her wisdom and experience and that of her team, Hebe was founded in 2007, have been in much demand over the summer. On the one hand, there are all the young people Hebe is involved with. Many have struggled with a lack of purpose during the lockdown, they had their freedoms abruptly taken away and not being sure of what comes next has led to a listlessness and lack of motivation, she says. On top of this dislocation came the killing of George Floyd, an ensuing focus on systematic and at time brutal racism. The young people were speaking to have a range of emotions, explains Amy. They have been asking a lot of questions. Do we march? Do we protest? Why am I feeling this way? Is it a problem for the older generation or for us? 
they've expressed their disgust of the police, of institutions. There's a feeling of a need to get involved, but there is a disconnect. Many are processing lockdown, their loss of freedom. I've seen a lack of motivation from young people, and now this change in sense of identity. They're saying, this situation is too much. How are we supposed to navigate it? And the non-black kids are saying, how do I empathise with my friends? The lockdown has cut down the number of face-to-face meetings, says Amy. But use of the internet has meant that it's been a good time for growth. We've been able to reach out to more people as we've not been restricted by geographical boundaries. We've been able to do even more one-to-ones as well as more education with parents and carers who have been around more. Time for our monthly catch-up on the events at Christian Aid. Claire is not able to be with us this month, so Jane has kindly come off the subs bench to compile a report for us. And at the top of the agenda this month is the battle to stop the government funding fossil fuel projects overseas. The move comes as a Savanta Comrades survey, commissioned by Christian Aid, showed that 39% of people aged between 18 and 34 across the UK said they felt more part of the global community than before the virus outbreak. This compares with just 21% of people aged over 55. Throughout lockdown, Diana, who attends London Road Methodist Church, channelled her spare time into working alongside other young people who've joined Christian Aid's prophetic activist scheme. This aims to help equip 18 to 30-year-olds to act for global justice. Together, they've launched a petition calling on Boris Johnson to end the use of UK export finance to fund fossil fuel projects overseas. Diana, a school attendance officer and theology graduate, said, Lockdown changed my routine a lot. In February, I was working full-time in a school and spending my weekends going to conferences. Activism has become my focus. For more information on how to join in with the appeal, go to Christian Aid website. Responding to the poll findings, Christian Aid's Head of Community, Fundraising and Public Engagement, Sheena MacDonald, said, COVID-19 may have forced us to physically separate, but connection and community have been huge themes this year. It's exciting to see a significant number of young people indicating that they feel more part of our global community. It's because our supporters feel connection with those trapped in poverty that they act to bring about change. Neighbours here in the UK are transforming people's lives when they come together, online or otherwise. And through our partner organisations, our supporters reach out to their global neighbours too. We've been bowled over by people's understanding that COVID-19 is also devastating lives in parts of the world much less resilient than ours. For its autumn appeal launched this month, Christian Aid is encouraging people to connect locally and globally by coming together, digitally or otherwise, to celebrate communities who are uniting in times of crisis. The appeal highlights the charity's work in countries like Nicaragua, where communities have joined forces to overcome the crises of poverty and injustice. It asks supporters to give in order to help communities around the world come together to overcome poverty. To act. To call for the cancellation of debt repayments for low-income countries during the coronavirus pandemic so they can better address this crisis. And to pray. 
for our global neighbours facing crisis in all its forms. Churches across England and Ireland have been supporting the appeal by holding a global neighbours service. For further information, go to the Christian Aid website. Faith leaders and faith communities have a role to play in being peacemakers in the face of rising xenophobia, anti-Semitism and anti-Muslim hatred, the UN Deputy Secretary told an audience on a visit to Christian Aid. The past four years have seen declining rates of extreme poverty and child mortality and increased access to electricity in the poorest countries, but there is much further to go and it will need innovative, multi-sectoral and multi-thematic approaches in order to see positive change. Remaining global challenges include rising hunger levels, a million species facing extinction and disadvantaged population groups remaining excluded. In her speech, Social Justice for Sustainable Development, How to Build a New Relationship with Each Other and with Creation to Meet Sustainable Development Goals, she said, Faced with such challenges and with deep polarisation within countries across the world, no country, no group, no organisation can go it alone. We need everyone, including faith-based organisations, to rally round the SDGs. Christian Aid's Chief Executive, Amanda Cozy-Mukwashi, who previously worked as Chief of Volunteer Knowledge and Innovation for the United Nations Volunteer Programme, said, In every single community there are people who are left behind and the causes of poverty are political. Most of the issues that Christian Aid focuses on, like climate change for example, affect all of us and they need to be resolved collectively, but in a way that is fair to the poorest and most vulnerable. Thanks, Jane. And it's College News next with Katie. And she starts this time with news from the European Seminary in Amsterdam, where they're concerned about the effect of that horrendous explosion in Beirut. The clue is in its name, the International Baptist Theological Seminary. So it's no surprise to learn that students from Beirut have studied at the college there in Amsterdam. In calling for prayers following the massive explosion in that city, They are recalling the fact that the Baptist College in Beirut had two students reading for PhDs in Amsterdam and the explosion was in the same district as the college. Another link with the Baptist denomination is through Reverend Phil Jump, Regional Minister of the North Western Baptist Association, who has served in Beirut and recorded an interview with Eli Haddad, President of Arab Baptist Seminary in Beirut, for the association's lockdown Sunday service. That interview is still up online for you to view and hear first-hand about the event. It's easy to find. Just Google Phil Jump Beirut or enter the same query on YouTube. Our South Wales College runs a training programme called Pathways. Briefly, Pathways is designed for all sorts of people, like deacons, worship leaders, children's workers, house group leaders. Really anyone supported by a local church who wants to be better equipped for service in ministry and mission, whatever your previous experience or educational qualifications. All the module facilitators are experienced practitioners in ministry and mission, but Pathways also recognises the wealth of experience which you bring and values the interaction of all participants in exploring key issues and fresh perspectives. 
The modules include worship, leadership, preaching and pastoral care. There are 10 modules in all. Pathways is delivered over a two-year rolling programme. You can join in or leave at any point. For more information about Pathways, including costs, dates and locations, and an application form, please contact the College. Pathways at swbc.org.uk Bristol Baptist College are asking, how can we walk with people who are facing situations of bereavement, family breakdown, domestic violence or debt? Is it all about tea and sympathy? How can we bring people we are helping into a healing encounter with Jesus? This event is part of Bristol Baptist College course called Prepare, Feed, Sustain, an access level course of Christian learning designed together with the Baptist Union of Great Britain. This module is split into two Saturdays. Each has four teaching sessions. We provide plenty of tea, coffee and biscuits, but recommend that visitors bring their own pat lunch. There is plenty of car parking available either on the college car park or on surrounding streets for no extra cost. Tickets are available for each day separately. Day 1 is the 17th of October 2020 and the speaker is Reverend Dr Tim Welch, a tutor and coordinator of ministerial formation at Bristol Baptist College. The time is 11am to 3.30pm and the cost is £16.76. All the sessions are on Zoom and you can sign up by going to pastoralcareday2.eventbrite.co.uk Do you have an interest in church planting or mission on the margins? Are you interested in learning from others in this area or becoming an expert practitioner? St Hilds is launching our new practitioner tracts on the 3rd of October at 10am. This digital launch will involve the opportunity to hear from our track leaders, including Christian Selvaratnam, Director of the St Hilds Centre for Church Planting, and Carmel Murphy and Andrew Grinnell from Urban Life. Aspects of the day will be recorded for those who would like to access the material at a later date. After the launch presentation, which is 10am to 10.30am, there will be an opportunity for taster groups where you can meet others who are preparing to join the tracts or interested in finding out more. Please email enquiries at senthild.org to register and receive Zoom link details. More details of the practitioner tracts are available on the Senthild website www.senthild.org There is a separate link to both the church planting and mission on the margins tracks. Thanks Katie. Phil is here now with our music news and he marks the extraordinary success of a modern female gospel singer. You can hardly open a page on a Christian music website these days without seeing the name Lauren Daigle. Even as a child, she was always singing so much that her mother called their house the music box. Born in Louisiana in the USA, she was forced by illness to miss two years of schooling, but recovered so well that she caught up on her work within six months. 
Well, after a year out working with a medical mission in Brazil, she started her recording career with a debut album in 2015. That went to number one in the Christian album chart and produced three number one singles on the Billboard Christian Airplay chart. Her third album went to number three in the secular Billboard chart, the first Christian album by a woman to manage that in over 20 years. It was number one in the Christian album charts for 101 weeks, selling 115,000 albums in its first week. Well, all in all, she has won 20 awards in the past five years, and the latest news is that she's been nominated in two categories for this year's Billboard Music Awards to be announced on the 15th of October in a special NBC TV programme. Top Christian artist and top Christian song for this song, Rescue, from her album Look Up Child. You are not hidden There's never been a moment you were forgotten You are not hopeless Though you have been broken Your innocence stolen I hear you whisper underneath your breath I hear your SOS, your SOS I will send out an army find you in the middle of the darkest night is There is no distance Cannot be covered Over and over You're not defenseless I'll be a shelter I'll be your armor I hear you whisper Underneath your
Thank you, Phil. And our next round of music news features an unlikely success for a song that features words spoken in many churches on a weekly basis. Let's hear now our review of the work of the Baptist Missionary Society. Just ten minutes earlier, and the shattered glass at the Gateway Bookshop would have splintered over the heads of the customers. Danielle Dow is picking up the pieces of the last few months turning them over in her mind and trying gently to put them back together. It's been seven weeks since the explosion at Beirut's port area that killed at least 200 people and injured thousands. There's the memory of clearing broken glass from the floor of the Gateway Bookshop where store manager Claudette Jajura and her customers narrowly escaped horrific injury. Then there's the past year for Lebanon, punctuated by political protests and gunfire in the streets. Between the COVID-19 lockdowns and all the shifting unrest, there is so much brokenness, so many painful shards of glass to reckon with. But restoration and recovery, picking up the pieces for herself and for so many other Lebanese citizens, is exactly what Daniela and her team feel called to do, even when they're hurting too. Until the explosion, we thought we'd been through it all, says Nabil Costa, president of BMS World Mission Partners, the Lebanese Society for Education and Social Development, where Daniela works. Coronavirus cases are back on the rise in Beirut, and Daniela estimates there are now more than 600 new cases each day. With tens of thousands of people made homeless by the blast, The idea of self-isolating in separate family units is woefully unrealistic. How can you if your home has been destroyed? Forest fires and financial crisis, Nabil continues. Bankruptcies, unemployment, a refugee crisis, revolution in Lebanon and COVID-19. The explosion was devastating, but it came on the heels of so much else. Daniela's friends are understanding more of the trauma their parents, the Civil War generation, lived through. Hope beyond all things is what's keeping Daniela and her colleagues looking beyond themselves, despite all they're going through. Beyond themselves to a nation in need around them, and beyond themselves to a saviour who promises to walk with them through the storm. BMS World Mission have a spoof article on their website urging people not to join Catalyst Live this year. It'll be up online like most things this year. It's on Friday the 9th of October at 7.30pm and it will cost you £5. Stanley Juaras is one of the world's leading theologians, but listening to a legend like that is a bit like hearing from the Apostle Peter. Surely far too engaging for a Friday night, they argue. If you're only interested in engaging in scripture in a deep and theological way, then you definitely won't want to bother seeing Makoto Fujimara's stunning abstract expressionism. And there are scores of ways of wasting five pounds instead of broadening your mind. You could go to McDonald's instead. Harry and Chris will be there to make you fall off your chair with laughing, which is a distinct health hazard. Anthony Reddy will be joining us on the 9th of October at 7.30 to talk about the theological imperative of speaking black truth to white power. Some challenging stuff that's really going to stir you up. Really, you don't want to spend your Friday evening doing that. 
Friday the 9th of October, of course, having to question your entire perspective as a Christian and a citizen of the United Kingdom, which is what the wonderful Helen Painter will be speaking about. We're sure you'd much rather spend your Friday night switching off and watching Coronation Street if you're after quiet life Helen Painter speaking at Catalyst Live definitely isn't for you. She put a video on the BMS website to prove it. Oh, did I mention it on Friday night the 9th of October? And it will cost you £5. A footnote to the article says, for legal reasons, please note that this is a joke. Come with us, says BMS, to a fragile desert ecosystem one that's home to the people of the Tibetsi region in mountainous northern Chad. We're in the Mid-Sahara Desert, so as you may imagine, medical provision in this remote and unyielding environment might be hard to come by. But travel to the oasis town of Bardai and you'll meet BMS medical workers Andrea and Mark Hodgkins. They've lived there for years, supporting the government hospital which provides 24-hour health care whether through life-saving surgeries or supporting safe childbirth to the communities who need it. The sad irony is that because this beacon of life and health has traditionally had to rely on diesel generators to get electricity pumping round its wards, and like any hospital, the one in Bardai needs to keep life-giving medication refrigerated and crucial equipment powered for use in medical and surgical emergencies but that meant 35,000 litres of diesel fuel per year being burned up in a 60-kilowatt generator, releasing 90,000 kilograms of greenhouse generating CO2 into a delicately balanced desert climate. The generator was expensive, limited and damaging, but in a place as remote as Bardai, it used to be the only option. Used to be because the Bardai Hospital Project is the first BMS project to receive the Climate Steward Seal of Approval. Under the scheme, money raised through offsetting carbon is invested in supporting green initiatives to protect our planet, starting in Bardai. Where diesel fuel used to fuel the hospital, solar panels now power a majority of its needs. And when you choose to offset what you can't reduce in your own carbon footprint, you become part of this incredible solution, reducing emission in Bardai and as more creation care and carbon reduction projects come online all around the world. It's also going to improve lives by improving reliable power. The old generator's output was patchy, meaning patients might give birth by torchlight at night. The new solar panels allow the hospital to function for 24 hours a day with proper lighting and refrigeration of medications, enabling better care, more thorough cleaning, safer operations and a hugely better atmosphere for patients and staff. And it's hoped that the solar panels will generate interest from the local community, raising awareness of green energies and better alternatives for fueling life in Bardai. God gave us a world to take care of. Doing so doesn't need to be a choice between helping people and being good stewards. Praise God for this opportunity to do both. If you are able to handle print, then don't forget that BMS World Mission publish a magazine called Engage. 
In the current issue, you can find out how you, as a BMS supporter, helped over 28,000 people in 14 countries through the BMS coronavirus appeal. Some of you by finding ingenious ways to be at home heroes. Subscribe now through the BMS World Mission website to receive Engage three times a year, free of charge, and they'll throw in their prayer guide too. www.bmsworldmission.org But we break now for a little music from Gareth. Many churches are still celebrating harvest, and what would a harvest festival be without singing We plough the fields and scatter the good seed on the land? It's number 135 in Baptist Praise and Worship. And now for the second part of our youth news with Lucy, and she begins her report in Yorkshire. In Yorkshire, the Children, Youth and Families Enabler Jodie Thorpe offers support and training to all their churches as they seek to develop work with children, youth and families. Jodie serves on the National Baptist Together Children, Youth and Families Roundtable, 
She is passionate that people of all ages should have opportunities to explore spiritually, for families to worship together, and that children and young people are valued and belong in our local churches. Young people play a key role in the life of our churches. They are not the church of the future, they are a vital part of the church today. North West Baptist Association want to support and equip churches in their work with young people by offering resources, training and events. We want to help churches unlock the potential within our young people. The website outlines some of the work we're involved in to equip, motivate and mobilise both young people and those who serve them. Currently, they are promoting the online edition of the very popular Impact Weekend. They titled it Taskmasters, and it's on from the 9th to the 11th of October. They have their own separate website, www.nwbayouth.com, and the contact is Johnny Hurst, spelt J-O-N-N-Y Hurst. So the email is johnnyh at nwba.org.uk. That's the address to use for booking, a copy of the poster and any other information. The Reverend Emma Moore is the contact for the Children, Youth and Family Work in the South Wales Baptist Association and she's anxious to hear from anyone regarding any training needs. She says, if you're looking to employ a CYF worker, if you need to chat something through or if there's something else you think I might be able to help with, please get in touch. She'd be only too pleased to set up a meeting on Zoom or in person when conditions allow. Many and varied are the creative ways that churches are keeping in touch with their children and people during these strained times. Rhiannon, family worker at Caution Baptist Church, recruited her two sons, who she says know about these things, and together they set up a YouTube channel all of their own. She quickly put together four sessions for the different age groups and CBC Junior Church was born. Rhiannon and her talented crew now compile, film, edit and upload four new sessions every week. You can see them on YouTube at CBC Junior Church. The Southern Counties Association have a steering group to oversee all aspects of their youth and children's work. The contact is Simon, who's the moderator of the group, based at Coshan Baptist Church. His email is simon at coshanbaptist.org. Any queries about safeguarding and training in the London Association should be marked for the attention of Rachel Swabby. For advice, inquiries about training or to report concerns, please contact Rachel in the first instance. Safeguarding at londonbaptist.org.uk or 07512 196 Thank you, Lucy. And it's over to Jane now for the second part of her Christian Aid news. She highlights this time news from Christian Aid Scotland. Writing on the website of Christian Aid Scotland, Sally Foster Fulton reminded her readers of a well-worn slogan, Rebuilding, Rebooting, Rethinking, Renewing. We've heard these words so many times in the last couple of months, she writes. A lot of energy has been spent on working towards a better future in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. We've been doing a lot of thinking at Christian Aid too. There's no denying that the whole of humanity, you, me, our family, friends, neighbours and crucially our global neighbours, is at a crossroads. Our next steps have never been more important. In the months ahead, fundamental decisions will be made about what kind of world we want to live in. Failure to seize the opportunity to build back better will be far more costly than any recovery plan. What does a better future look like? We're in an era of unprecedented neighbourliness. 
Communities across Scotland have rallied together during the crisis, looking after our sisters and brothers in new and innovative ways. We need to keep on looking out for our global neighbours too. In India, 80 million migrant workers have lost employment in cities, leaving them hungry and homeless and their families without income. In parts of Afghanistan, wheat prices have risen by 20%. Routine health care such as immunisation and maternity care have been severely disrupted. In many countries, the disruption to non-Covid-related health care could cause more deaths than the virus itself. We need to build back better with justice. We need to build back on firm foundations so that these structures which keep people poor are replaced with a framework which supports people to flourish. That means relieving the crippling debt of the world's poorest countries. It means divesting from fossil fuels. It means continuing to care for our global neighbours who are reeling from the social, political and economic impact of coronavirus. This is a big moment, she concludes, but it is not beyond our reach. This autumn, let's take one more step along the road. No matter what the event is at church, these days there's always cake. Always wise to the latest trends, Christian Aid are promoting a brew and bake event as the perfect fundraising solution for their autumn appeal. The brew, of course, relates to tea or coffee, nothing stronger than that. So far as the cake is concerned, the sky is the limit. They've even devoted a whole page to their website of ideas. All of the suggestions are downloadable. There are guidelines on how to make your brew and bake your event virtual, and, as an added bonus, how to make it competitive with guidance for the judges. For a virtual bake-off, they suggest using Zoom with competitors doing a running commentary as they bake. You can even award extra points when you see how tidy their kitchen is after it all. There are brew and bake recipe cards and even a suggestion that you turn your event into a brew and bake coffee morning. Knowing how competitive most bakers are, it could be a hot contest. I fancy the coffee and walnut cake myself. Search Christian Aid Autumn Appeal, then click on the brew and bake panel. If you can't get to a brew and bake event but want to help, Christian Aid have launched the offering scheme. Go to e-offering.christianaid.org.uk. There you'll find out how to create a fundraising page without having to even touch a cake or hunt for a mixing bowl. Jane, thank you. Ralph promised you earlier a surprise entry into the Gospel Charts. Based on words from the Book of Numbers, Phil has the full story. Very often music that's recorded for church use can be around for anything up to a couple of years before becoming well known enough to start figuring in any of the gospel charts. The Blessing is maybe the exception. It was written at the start of the pandemic for a service on March the 1st. It was put up online on March the 20th and featured in the Hot Christian Songs charts dated April the 4th. It was streamed more than a million times in its first week and the live video recording has been viewed by more than 3 million people. Well, the song was written by Chris Brown, Cody Carnes, Kari Job, and Steve Furtick from an original idea by Kari Job and her husband Cody Carnes. The words are from the book of Numbers, chapter 6, and using the verses 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you 
and give you peace. Well, the original recording made at that service is fairly intense. It runs for 12 minutes. There's several recordings in different languages and even a recording by a virtual choir. Well, according to one entry on the internet, there have been more than 20 cover versions already and more than 40 references to the songs in magazines and in the press. Well, I think we'd run out of space if we played you the 12-minute version from YouTube, but it is spectacular. Catch it if you can. I can play you, though, a snatch from a studio recording by Kari Job and her husband Cody Carnes, necessarily just a few minutes long, but it does lose some of the intensity of the live worship recording, but it does give you a bit of a flavour.
Thank you, Phil. And if you can, do look out for the full live recording of that, The Blessing, on YouTube. It is amazing. Back to our colleges now with Katie. And she starts just down the road from here at Northern Baptist College, and it's based in Luther King House. The Northern Baptist College at Luther King House are offering taster theology courses. It'll be easy to access whether you've studied before or not, with supportive tutors who are used to helping beginners in theology. It'll be a course where everyone's experience will be valued, so that we can all learn together. It's a chance to think about your own life and faith, to grow and learn more deeply. The fee includes library membership, which will be available during our next academic year. The second unit will be Learning to do Theology. In it you'll be exploring ways to work with God in your church and community. This is ideal for beginners and those that want their faith to make a real practical difference in the world. Thirdly, Growing Spiritually. This will be an opportunity to develop your own rule of life, experience and explore new ways of praying and reading the Bible, and, the, and discern the voice of the Spirit. This may help you to decide your future. The College offers courses validated by Durham University, ranging from a Foundation Award through to BA and MA. The College PhD programme validated by the University of Manchester, means courses can last from six months to six years. There are different entry options with part-time and full-time study possibilities. For full information about our learning programmes and how to apply, email us at learning at lkh.co.uk Call 0161 249 2504 or use the form on the website lutherkinghouse.org.uk Not everybody may realise this but Spurgeon's College in London have a very active American Students Programme. Students come, live and study at Spurgeon's for one semester and take classes from the existing timetable learning alongside UK students who are training for ministry. The student will be able to have a bespoke programme tailored to their learning needs and interests from the units we offer for that semester. The student's work would be marked and assessed to the same standard as our validating partner, the University of Manchester, and receive a full report from the college. The study abroad package costs £7,000 per semester and includes tuition housing, a single room in a, in a student halls of residence with a shared kitchen, airport pickup and induction programme to help students orientate themselves, bedding pack on site, bespoke tuition timetable of classes, membership of our pastoral group and care system, full access to our library of over 70,000 volumes. The college also offers, if desired, and for an additional fee of £300 and subject to availability, to link the students with a local church or help them find other opportunities to experience church and ministry in the UK. 
the student would need to fill in a Spurgeon's application form for this programme and come with a brief reference from their sending institution. The student would need to ensure they had the correct visa and travel documentation. Once Spurgeon's had seen evidence of this and received the application form, we would conduct a brief Skype interview with the student to ascertain their study needs and timetable. Once the timetable of study has been agreed by the sending institution and Spurgeon's, we would issue an acceptance letter to the student. On the website of the Irish Baptist College, in the section headed Baptist Women, there's an invitation to join a series of Bible studies with introductions from the American author Nancy Guthrie. The course started back at the end of September and there are already five or more videos recorded by Nancy up online to give you a taster. I'm sure if you clicked on the invitation to join in, they're not going to turn you away. It's on Zoom every Thursday evening from 8pm and runs until the 3rd of December. It's based on her book, Saints and Scoundrels in the Story of Jesus. You have to click on the word Tickets in order to get the meeting ID for Zoom and the meeting's password. We can't offer any review of the study, but it's an interesting idea while the churches are on restricted access. Ralph will be along with the dreaded small print shortly. That's after we've heard from Lindsay and part two of her roundup of news from the regions. With churches reflecting on who they are and what they do, Simon Jay, part of the Urban Expression team in Birmingham, writes of the Heart of England Association website of his experience of being part of the Welsh House Farm neighbourhood, which is situated in Birmingham. He says, This area could be understood as marginalised, as many of our economic systems and social structures disempower local people and keep them in poverty. Simon is part of the Urban Expression team, which seeks to work alongside and be with people from marginalised communities. As part of their work, they deliver many projects that aim to positively engage with the young people in the area. He explains that the period of lockdown served to merely highlight some of the issues the area faces. For many of the young people, home is not always the safest or most comfortable place. The experience of living in overcrowded flats and tower blocks has been very challenging for them during lockdown. They became an easy target. No kid growing up says, I want to be a drug dealer or sit on a wall for hours because there's nothing to do, he explains. All they want is the opportunity that many of the young people in our churches have, but they don't have these opportunities. For Simon, it's all about creating spaces in which to engage with the young people, spaces that are their space. His teams are involved in various detached youth projects, often involving music and art as they seek to unlock the creativity many of the young people possess. For 50 years, Emmanuel Baptist Church has had a presence in Netherton, one of Liverpool's most deprived areas. In 2015, the church established an Eden team to focus on bringing care and love to this particular disadvantaged estate. Team leaders Tom and Emma Grant moved from Hampshire to live long term on the estate and to provide authentic support and missional work by becoming part of the community itself. Church Eden Partnership 
connect people in some of the UK's most difficult areas and neighbourhoods to faith from the inside out. The partnership supports those who have been called to move to places where nobody else wants to go. Places that are often broken, neglected or very deprived. The Reverend Alan Finnegan, Minister of Emmanuel Baptist Church, said the places in greatest need often the places where the church is in decline. We're in an area where there's lots of violence and hopelessness. Around one third of our congregation struggle with literacy and the wounds from neglect and a lack of love run deep in Netherton. Alan's seen huge changes in the church since it embraced the Eden Netherton project five years ago. It's completely changed our church. I've been part of this church for 37 years and faith looks pretty different now. It's messier, but it's honest and real. It's been a great thing for us all. The longer we've proven our love for this estate, the stronger our relationships have grown, the more trust and respect we've earned and the more disciples we've made. I'm not sure how, but we always seem to be okay. And the change to lives that we're witnessing is amazing. A grant from Babsist Insurance Company will support the Eden Netherton team to continue undertaking missional work on Netherton. Stephen Cave is team leader and minister of Queen's Road Baptist Church Broadstairs in Kent. He wrote this article for the autumn edition of Baptist Together. All around us, people are talking about how things will be different post-COVID-19. That's assuming there will be such a thing. Will the new normal include queuing outside supermarkets, waiters taking our orders remotely, staycations, or even worse, will people still be forgetting to put on the audio while, when Zooming? I guess we realise that things are not going to be quite the same as before. Even children are now referring to pre-COVID as the olden days. If it takes over a mile for a large oil tanker to slow down and come to a halt before finding a new direction, how will a huge vessel like the church manage? Actually, and perhaps surprisingly, the church seems to have been very nimble on its feet when it came to lockdown. Before it even had time to straighten the chairs and put the communion plates away and glasses away, the doors were locked and normal services came abruptly to an end. Of course, in reference to church, I'm talking about a building. Thankfully and amazingly, the church, in its true sense, the people of God, has thrived. Maybe watching a stream service from the comfort of the sofa has not been as sacrificial as we thought, and being able to have proper wine, the real grown-up stuff, for a home communion has reminded us that Jesus got it right on Passover night. I jest, of course. Or maybe not. As some said to me the other day, we rather like it this way. And herein lies the challenge. How will we unlock lockdown? Some of us may well feel we are scrambling around in the dark, searching for the keys with a torch that's needed, its batteries changing for weeks. How will we take into the new normal of church life some of the things we have enjoyed and most importantly, the many people who have used this time to revisit a community of faith from the safety of their own homes? As they say, it's a lot easier shutting something down than reopening it again. For some, even opening the front door must seem terrifying. But we will, together, 
we will thrive. Just as we have together got through these last months and God who never loses keys will guide us to unlock lockdown and face the new normal with optimism and faith. Thanks, Lindsay. And here's the small print from Ralph. As far as the tapes and CDs or memory sticks supplied free to qualifying members, Baptist Voice is available online at www.baptistvoice.co.uk or as a podcast from iTunes for you to download and keep. Uh, If you know of anyone who is visually impaired and would appreciate a copy of Baptist Voice, you can contact us at baptistvoice13 at gmail.com or write to us at Baptist Voice, Care of Greenfield Church, Ermston, Manchester, N410TY. Baptist Voice is sponsored by the North West Baptist Association, and all the items included are either in the public domain or reproduced with the copyright holder's permission. If we've missed a copyright notice somewhere along the line, do let us know, and we'll remove the offending item immediately. And the next edition of Baptist Voice will be along in the first week of November. But we've kept him waiting long enough. Here's our chaplain Stephen and this month he has harvest festivals on his mind. Hello again. I hope you and those that you love are safe and okay. Well it's that time of year when normally we'd be in the midst of our harvest celebrations, our appeals and our collections. Although this year, as they might have said on Star Trek, it's harvest Jim, but not as we know it. Most of what we normally do to celebrate this time of year has had to be changed or even cancelled altogether because of, um, you know what. At our church, we're trying to make the best of a bad situation and to do things in new ways. And I hope that where you are, you're able to mark this season in some way. But why do we mark this season? Why celebrate harvest? I mean, it's not like most of us plough the fields and scatter anymore we pay other people to do that for us. The idea of us celebrating the crops being brought into our towns and villages doesn't really fit with how we live now. So why do we do it? Well, when I was talking at a harvest assembly at local primary school about this, I said we could think of it like this. Harvest is about what we've got, not just the things that we've got, God can actually stand for something. Gratitude, others, togetherness. Let's start with gratitude. Harvest has always been a time for saying thank you. As people brought in the crops, they'd celebrate. God has been faithful. Food is here. Thank you. And now that so much food is available all year round, panic buying notwithstanding, we perhaps forget that we need to be thankful and this year perhaps it's been even harder to say thank you so much seems wrong so much seems to be missing so much seems painful to us saying thank you in all of this seems so hard but if nothing else we can say thank you for this that God hasn't changed and he hasn't left us even if we do feel all alone as Jesus says nothing can snatch us from his hand not our current situation nor anything else that might happen that's worth a thank you I think and as we remember to say thank you for that 
Maybe we'll be able to find other things we can be thankful for, little joys that have crept into our lives, perhaps without us quite realising it, little signs of God's faithfulness to us and to the world. So G stands for gratitude, and O stands for others, and if you'll pardon the pun, oh how we've needed others during the last six months, whether it's through letters, emails, phone calls, Baptist voice or whatever else, knowing that there are others who are there for us has been so important. But there are two other others that we need to remember as well, those others who've been lonely and isolated in these last six months. Are there people we need to check up on, phone or write to? And then there's those others who aren't with us anymore, those we have lost over the last six months, those whom perhaps we've not had the opportunity to say goodbye to properly. And perhaps these partings have been even more painful than normal. We remember these others. Finally, T stands for togetherness. And this might seem to be the strangest one of all. We're not together. Not physically, that's part of what's made lockdown seem so hard. And yet, in another way, we are. We're still united in Jesus, still Christ's body, still God's people. We still belong to each other, and we're still called to love and care for each other. And just as nothing can separate us from the love of God, so nothing can undo these bonds we have with each other because they come from God. The time will come when we can truly be together, and in the meantime we make the most of the ways we found to be as together as we possibly can. And we still live in the hope that the time will come when we will be together forever, when we'll be with the others that we miss right now, when we can truly thank God for all his kindness and generosity, all his faithfulness to us, and all the promises that will have been fulfilled for us. These are things we can celebrate this harvest and forevermore. Let's pray together. Loving, kind God, when things are as uncertain, as frustrating and as difficult as they are right now. We can forget all that we've got from you, and all that we've got in you, and that can lead us to forget to say thank you. And so we want to say sorry for that, and we want to ask that you'll help us to remember all that we've got, everything that we can be grateful for, all the other people who have been and who are such an important part of our lives, all the ways we can still be together in you, even though we're apart physically. Help us, Lord, to remember. Help us to say thank you. We lift before you now those whom we know and love, especially those who are ill or who are struggling at this time. Draw near to them, we pray, and bless them with your healing, your peace, and your comfort. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.